Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With your hosts, Mick Moran and Jay Pearson. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Copyright Podcast. I'm Mick Moran as usual, I'm joined once again by Jay Pearson. Hello Jay. How's it going mate? I'm alright to you. Again, I feel like you're me... I, mean, I see you more than I see my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Best way to be, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we're joined by a special guest today. He's a former Red, Red midfielder. He's played for Newcastle, Redden, Black, uh, Blackburn, amongst other, 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 uh, other clubs during his career. He now plies his trade at Walsall. It's, of course, Danny Guthrie. Welcome, Danny. Hiya, mate. You okay? How's it going? How's lockdown? Yeah, not you? too bad. <clears throat> Used to it now. Obviously, just want some clarity of when we can go back training. We've got individual programmes we're doing at home every day running um but like everyone else just waiting for the words uh so we can go back training and hopefully get this season finished yeah yeah of course it must be a must be horrible like obviously we touched on before we started recording it must be it's hard enough for us fans waiting around but it, as a player it must be just just telling you that i'll just trying to want them to get back and playing football again yeah, it is. It's just the uncertainty of not knowing when you can go back. I mean, if there was a date where we knew, you know, we've worked towards dates, you know, that have come and gone and, um, you know, we've got dates in mind, but obviously it all hinges on this government uh, announcement next week. And it's it, like I said, if there was a date that we could know we were going back to, you wouldn't mind. It's just... You know, there's a possibility that we might not might not go back and finish these games, and we might have to wait to start next season. God knows when. So that's the that's the that's the bit I don't like. Yeah, exactly, mate. As long as it's safe and everybody's okay, then let's crack on, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, then we'll just crack on with the start of your your Liverpool career. Really, obviously, we talked before we started recording about how you were once. Uh, a Man United product. Um, yeah. How, how did how did that all come about, and how did you end up leaving and making making the move for Liverpool? Basically, it was um, just like anyone else. I was just playing locally in Telford, 
Sunday League, County, and um, got invited to go and play in like a trials game. And it was at Old Trafford. So obviously that was a big thing, you know, being nine, ten years old, going to play at Old Trafford. So went there, played and then, you know, got invited back to start training at uh, the training ground with the, you know, under 10s at, at Man United. So, like I said, was just travelling there two or three times a week, twice in the in the week, and then once uh, on a weekend to play. And was doing it for a couple of years. But it was... It was a funny one because, obviously, the... Uh, I don't know what it is now, but at the time, you, a, a lad couldn't travel more than an hour and a half from his house to 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 be at a, a club, and you know it was real borderline traveling. Sometimes, and sometimes it would take a lot more with traffic and stuff on the M6. Um, so there was always that problem, and you know, Man United were not committing um, fully because of obviously the you know the travel restrictions and stuff like that. So, like I said, Liverpool come along when I was about 12 and just give us some more security, uh, help my family out, my mum and dad with the travelling. And obviously, like I said, once I'd been to the academy at the time, the, the academy was top-notch mm-hmm. and I'd never been to a facility like it. So, um, you know, I, I was delighted to join and I signed an official contract with them there and then. Brilliant. Was you a, was you a Man United fan growing up? No, I was a Liverpool fan because my nan was a big Liverpool fan. So, awesome. um, but you know, at, at ten, it wasn't. You know, it was, you know, I just no. I was only interested in me at ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel that though, mate, with your nan and stuff. I think it's really good with family heritage and stuff like that. It's brilliant. That. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right, mate. At that age, it's I just want to kick a football. I don't really care what. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked all play. Like I'd have posters of all teams. Like you know. You know the the original Ronaldo in his kits and yeah. loads of loads of teams on the wall. So you know it's like at ten, you just love football, don't you? Of course. Yeah. So obviously you joined. I think you joined Liverpool in two thousand and two, was it? Yeah, um, it would have been around that time. Yeah, and just yeah. just progress through the you know the academy system, and obviously the aim at twelve thirteen is you've got a couple of years to earn your, your YTS, your scholarship forms, and yeah. luckily I, I did that. Cool. So, obviously, moving on a little bit then, moving to your, your first competitive game for, for the Reds. A League Cup game against Redden in uh, October 2006. You came on yeah. for uh, Momo Sissoko. Yeah. Just that thing happily chatting about there. Uh, yeah. How did you feel making your, your debut? Just obviously, you were only 19 at the time. How, how much did that mean to you? It's, it's my proudest moment because, you know, you work all the way, all them years to get to that point where you can play at Anfield. And, you know, there's there's loads of steps along the way. I mean, one of the biggest steps at Liverpool is going from the academy to being you know, transferred to Melwood where the first team trained. So, you know, that's your first step and leaving the academy at 18 to, to move to Melwood to train alongside the first team is, you know, that's that's a massive step when you're, when you're part of the academy. And then earning every now and then being invited to train with actually the first team group and then you've got a chance to impress 
the you know the staff and more, more importantly the players you want to impress you want to impress the players the first team players because you know they go back in a change room and speak yeah. and uh, have an influence on on whether you come back and train with them so there's loads of little steps along the way and like you said once you know I was on the bench for that game and it was it, like I said it's my proudest moment because you work all them years to get to that point and to finally come on and um, you know get a warm warm welcome from the crowd it you know it means the world to you Imagine it's, I mean, it's special for. I think, like you said, you know, you've got an affiliate with with Liverpool. Obviously, mm-hmm. just discussed them, but obviously, you you've grown to love the club a little bit more in with Melwood, the academy, and all that sort of stuff, and the the players that you're surrounding yourself with every single day, the likes of Stephen Gerrard and Jamie Carragher, and you know, there's some world class players that you play with. I mean, but to put on that that red shirt for the first time, it's got to be the most special feeling ever, hasn't it? So. Played, yeah. It is, it is because when you when you've been with when you've been with the the club since you were like 11 12 you know you you feel like a local I mean you buy into all the the history and you buy into the area I moved to Liverpool when I was just when I was 15 and I left school because um you know I had to move in digs because I was going full time then yeah and you just you just buy into the you become a local and it means the world to you and you become you you buy into the culture you know the, you know the the clothes that you know there's people <laughs> have got a, they have they've got a, they've got a certain style they've got a certain way of life and um you just become one of them and that's why you know you become a local and that's why it means so much yeah definitely Obviously, moving on, I'm, I'm just a month later, you made your, um, your Premier League debut against Portsmouth. You came on for Jermaine Pennant, I think, on the right side of midfield. Uh, but did you feel like that was just another step in the right direction, obviously, in terms of your progression and making the right steps to, to finally be like a fully fledged member of the team? Yeah, it was, I was just, it was just a whirlwind, really. I mean, it, it sort of, you know, you, you build up all them years to, um, to get to that point and then you make your debut and all of a sudden there's, there's a game every three days for Liverpool and it's just like it's, it's, it's all happening so fast um, and yeah I was coming on as a sub um, I remember that game it was nil-nil um, it wasn't a great game but I come on and I come on for a pennant on the right and at, at that time because I was because I was good on the ball um, I could do um, <clears throat> I could do a job on either side uh, of the midfield, and the way um, the way Rafa played was with two uh, defensive sitting midfielders, and um, that was totally new to to me and and anyone at the club really because the blueprint for a centre midfielder was uh, a box to box midfielder like you know Steven Gerrard was the blueprint if you played in midfield. And he was all action, box to box, and just Rafa didn't want that. He didn't want box to. He wanted someone to sit in front. The two sit in front of the back four, mm. and so. But for ten years, I'd learned and watched and studied, you know, Stephen Gerrard, who could do everything. And uh, once I got to Melwood, like Benitez was just not having that style of player, and you had to adapt and find different different ways of playing. 
I suppose it's good for you though, isn't it? Like I said, you, you, you're adapting and it just makes you a better player to, today, I imagine. Yeah, because, you know, that was, what was that? That would have been about 12 years ago and I don't, and now you look at football now and I don't think there's many box-to-box midfielders. I think no. most teams play with two sitters now and uh, Benitez brought that into Liverpool, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're obviously, yourself included, we all uh, hold Benitez into a high regard, and you know he's given he gave a lot of young lads around that time a, a lot of opportunities, which is really good. And for yourself, we just move on to the the Champions League game, where you made your first start for Liverpool um, against Galatasaray again uh, away in Turkey at the Ataturk Stadium, and obviously what had gone on two years before and the year the year before and. I mean, that must have been special, knowing that you're going to go play in the, the same pitch where we'd lifted the European Cup a year beforehand and getting that opportunity. Obviously, we'd already qualified anyway, but playing in the Champions League game for Liverpool in that stadium, again, for yourself, must have been amazing. Oh, honestly, it was... Obviously, because I'd watched the Champions League final the year before, and if you'd have told me a year later I'd have been playing on the pitch for the first team, like, it's just... That's how fast it happens. You just never... You never see something and... Um, like you said, it was a game where Liverpool have already qualified, but it was still the biggest biggest night of my life. And yeah. um, the atmosphere, the atmosphere was brilliant, and it was everything that you would expect, you know, on the bus with the flares and the mm. Turkish fans. Uh, you know, they were mad. So the game just it, it, it was a different level. To, it was it was a, it was a different level. The Champions League it was a different it was a different style, and um, I think we got beat three two possibly. Yeah, yeah. And um, but it was just, it was a great experience, yeah. And and but at the time, you don't you just don't take it in. You just you just think it's normal that you know this is my path. And you look back and you think, bloody hell, never like I played in the Champions League game. You know, it's you, at the time you just you think it's normal, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think I think Fowler scored twice. I think I think it was obviously like you said, it was a massive game for yourself. But I think because we'd already topped the group. Um, obviously, Rafa put you in. I think he put uh, Lee Peltier in as well. So obviously, yeah, it, was, played, it, was, yeah. it was huge for you two. But even still, it was a great experience for you. And obviously, we've touched mm-hmm. on Rafa. What what did you what did you make of him? Like working with him as a coach. I mean, we spoke. I've told you we spoke to like Momo Sissoko, who called him as mm-hmm. like the second dad to him. But then also also we've seen stuff like from Steven Gerrard, where Gerrard says he couldn't have couldn't relate to him because he didn't give him the love that he deserved. But then it's like Bolo was ending, he said he really liked him. What did you make of him as like a coach and as like a his demeanour as as like a as a man? Um well as a coach he was brilliant. I mean um his sessions were good obviously everything uh, you know working with him as a youngster it was a real eye opener and um since then I've never seen detail or sessions based on uh, team structure since with any other manager. Um, obviously, he's the most successful manager I've worked under. Um, and yeah, he gave me my debut. He gave me my chance. I trained with him, uh, the first team. So, you know, I can only be grateful to him. As a person, it was difficult because you never, you never, I, I didn't know if he thought I was a good player. I, I, I would never know. I, you know, I could only go off 
you know, you'd I was I'd think, well, he must think I'm he must think I'm decent because like he, I train with his teams and he's I'm in the squads, but he's never said to me, oh, if you like I like this about you or you're good at this or you know I can see you being here. You just never got anything from him. Um, I don't think he ever called me Danny. He called me Guthrie all the time, um, and he was just he was just that's just the way he was. But it wasn't just me. He was like that with everyone, I think, and. Um, it was just the way it was and man management wise you know I've had a lot better but um, tactically and, and and Harry Lady's sessions out he was he's the best yeah that's the thing but, is, I mean it's a, I suppose it's the same for like an everyday person with what manager that they, they work for you've, you've got a manager who can be a really cold hearted person who gets the job done and gets the results but then you've got the opposite to a, a manager who's always talkative wants to be your best mate and might not be the best manager in the world but you have a better relationship with them and I think what we've got now in Jurgen Klopp is the mixture of both of those people he's he's tactically astute he's a football genius and he, he gives out hugs and he, he's such a polite man and everyone loves him and he loves every single one of his players and uh, I'm sure that like, like I said it's a massive difference in it but Rafa's a winner and no one can deny him that regardless of his personality. Yeah, and do you know, when you've got a manager, at the end of the day, he holds the key to your future. So, however he is, you've got to get on with it and try your best to get on with him. I mean, you know, everyone, I'm sure everyone, every footballer would love to work under um, Jurgen Klopp on the face of it, but there's probably players in the squad that, you know, possibly don't like him and no one knows the, you know what, uh, Jurgen's really like in the, the dressing room. We can only see from the outside, and all the players generally look happy. But you know, there'd be one or two in the dressing room that don't play. You know, yeah. they don't want to hug. They want to play. <laughs> so you just up and down in football that that you know, man. It's a, you know, I, I'm thinking about going into coaching and management, and you know, the idea of. Um, trying to keep, you know, 25 men happy when you can only pick 11 to play and seven to be subs. Difficult job. Definitely, right. That's why, you know, it's you look at it and think, is it best not to? Is it best not to friend any of these people because you know it's going to be difficult when I have to tell them you know, you're not involved or it's, it's a big job. Yeah, obviously that that was obviously Rafa's style, wasn't it? Like we've seen, like I said, we've seen interviews with Gerard where he said he, he was very cold with him, and obviously if he's if he's not calling you by your first name, then obviously that that's just his style of style of management. It's just it? his style. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? How could you not? Uh, you know, love and make uh, Stephen Gerrard at that time make him feel like you know, <laughs> God at the time because he was carrying the team and. It, you know, if Steven Gerrard's not going to get any love, then me at 18, 19, I'm definitely not going to get any. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we'll just crack on then a little bit, Danny, to um, obviously you, you then go out on loan to um, to Southampton in 2007. I think it was an emergency loan and then it got extended to full season, didn't it? And the year no, no, what people... happened was, um, so what, what had happened was I'd, um, I, I'd played a few, I'd played the, my games for the first team at Liverpool, and then I would 
so I was going back and forth. I'd play, I'd be involved in the squads at uh, the first team, come on, um, and then I'd go back uh, and top up my minutes playing for the reserve team uh, with uh, Gary Ablett and uh, Huey McCauley. And they, they noticed a difference in me when I'd gone to the first team. So I'd, so I'd be the best player in the reserves. Mm. And then I'd, I'd earned my um, chance to go and play in the first team, would come on, um, play in the Champions League. Then I'd have to come back and play for the reserves. And <clears throat> Gary Ablett, I, um, obviously rest in peace, Gary Ablett, but I, I loved working with Gary. And um, he pulled me in and just said... Um, you need to you need to go out on loan. He said that we we can see that these reserve games you've just you've reached a level that you know they're not going to do anything for you. And yeah. I, I didn't know that was I thought I was still giving the same, but he noticed a difference. And um, Southampton come in, uh, I think it was about March or something like that, and um, they were a really good team, really good team full of really good players, and they were pushing for the playoffs. And uh, so they had important games left. And it was a good opportunity for me to go there and play, um, and be a, a you know a big part of a team pushing for a promotion. So uh, obviously I went down there in the March and and we made the playoffs and got beat in the semi-finals. But that was a great experience of um, being involved in a team that were you know pushing for something and being a bigger part of it. And like I said, that team was full of. I think Gareth Bale was playing left back at the time. We had Kenwin Jones up front. Sermon, Dyer, Best. It was a really good young team. Yeah. So 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 many good good players have come from Southampton over the years, haven't they? Oh, the yeah, really really good academy they've got down there. Yeah. Lalana was there as well at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was he was a young player there, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've still basically took all their players over the years, haven't we? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then you go you go to obviously you have that great time at Southampton like you just touched on. The year after you go to Bolton. For the year, so mm-hmm. after, after those two, obviously you've, you've you've made the the natural step. Obviously, you're not, you're not getting the minute you want at Liverpool, so you're going out on loan, try and get the progression. Obviously, you've got it. I've seen that you need you, you need that because you've reached a certain level. After those two yeah. years, did you still think in your heart that you, you you're now going to come back down and pop down and get and get a proper spot at Liverpool, or <laughs> what, what were your thoughts? Um, well, obviously, I went to I went to once I'd done my loan at Southampton and come back. I went to um, uh, Sammy Lee. Sammy Lee went to Bolton, yeah. and obviously, I knew Sammy from Liverpool, yeah. and he took over the job from Allardyce <clears throat> and wanted to. Uh, he took me there, and it it was really it was a really good year for me at Bolton because it was my first full season in the Premier League. They were playing in the Europa League. Um, full of good players, really good players there. Um, and played 25 games in the Premier League in a team that was um, in a relegation battle. So that was a massive experience for me. That was that was a real culture shock because you get everything your own way at Liverpool. Yeah, uh, you have the ball all the time. You know, you, you you're expected to win. Um, but going to a team that was fighting and scrapping and different ways of playing, um, that was massive for me. And obviously played in the in the in the UEFA Cup at the time, and you know went to Bayern Munich and yeah. drew two two, went to Atletico Madrid, 
Um, massive, massive year for me. And I, I was doing really well. And, you know, played in a t- we beat Man United at, at, the, at the Reebok Stadium. You know, there was, you know, I was getting a lot of publicity at the time. And uh, actually, Rafa had done a few interviews saying, um, you know, mentioning me and stuff like that. So I sort of held hopes, but sort of, you know, I'm a realist as well. And I think Liverpool made the Champions League final that year as well. And, you know, they were just, they were just superstars in that team. I mean, especially in my position, talking about legends, I mean, Gerard, Alonso, Mascherano, you know, they're, they're worldies, you know. And um, I went, uh, because, um, because Liverpool had reached the Champions League final that year, uh, the Premier League season finished and I had to go back to Melwood and finish the, the season off because Liverpool was still training because the Champions League final was obviously a few weeks away. And uh, that, uh, uh, Benitez pulled me in and said how well I'd done and <clears throat> he, was, um, he was really complimentary. Uh, was really honest with me, which I really appreciate at the time as well. And he sort of said, um, you know, you could, you know, you can stay here and be part of the squad. I think I was, I think I was 20 or 21 at the time there. And um, he said, you can, you can stay here, but you know, it's going to be 10 games a season that you play. And at 20, you need to go somewhere and be a bigger part of a team. And I, I agreed with him and he said if the right money come in that he would um that he would he would accept it. So, you know, I, I'd already had an idea what you know that you know I was gonna move on and, and stuff like that. But it was he, and to be a funny story, he said um he actually said to me, um, you know, we've got Gerard, we've got Alonso, we've got Mascherano, um Momo, and he said we're bringing a we're bringing a young Brazilian in as well in your position. And he said he he described him as uh, the new Gerard from Brazil. And I was like, well, I best move on then because I don't need another one in front of me. And it actually turned out to be it actually turned out to be Lucas, who was nothing like Gerard, but was a good player in his own right. But um, I I sort of knew, and 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 later in that summer, that's when the bid come in from Newcastle. Yeah, obviously I was just gonna I was gonna move on to that then. You in the summer of two thousand eight, I think it was two, two and a half million. And I, I, I completely forgot when I was checking this. I completely forgot Kevin Keegan was in charge at that time. I was like, Oh yes, I love that. Um well, how, yeah. much did you, how much did you enjoy you? Because you were there for four years. I I, I think most Liverpool fans quite like Newcastle as a city and as a club. We club obviously there's a mutual respect there, I think. Uh, what was it like playing there week in week out for four years? that's the best time of my career that that four years um like you said the city the club uh, the fan base it's all it's it's very similar to liverpool on a smaller scale um just in terms of the culture you know the football and um you know the fan base and the passion it's very similar obviously liverpool's a bigger version but it was. I, I loved it. I loved every every minute of it. It was. There was ups and downs. There was chaos. There was turmoil. It's just a mad club. Um, so many things going on off the field, on the field. It was just chaos at times, but loved every minute of it. It's, uh, 
there's some of the players that you played with, mate. You know, you've got you've got likes of Mike Lowen and Jose Enrique again, two Liverpool legends, and Mark Vaduf, Damien Duff, Kevin Nolan, Nicky Butt, Joey Barton. I mean, there's some big, big names there that you played with. I mean, God knows what you're gonna do with your five side team in a minute, but you know. Oh, no, yeah. like, um, most of them players that you name there, as good as they are, and um, they they were all mostly there in my first season when we got relegated, yeah. which was just scandalous. Um, and it was just a combination of things where um, we had like, I think it was something ridiculous, like five managers in that season, the first year I went there. Uh, Keegan left really early and there was just people coming in. I mean, Joe Kinnear coming out of nowhere, like... And then Shearer coming out of nowhere. It was just honestly, it was chaos, and I just didn't know what was going on. And and that squad that we had, and then players uh, to go down was scandalous. And it was that thing where you just never saw it come. Yeah, we'll be all right. You know, it got to ten yeah. games, and we, you know, you think, ah, oh, and you start sleepwalking into into relegation, and. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're at the last game of the season and you've got a win at Villa away. And at that time, Villa were a really strong team and were pushing the Champions League. Um, so it, it was it was scandalous that with that with them names to go down, but it just shows you if, you if you've not got the right chemistry in the group that you know anything's possible. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you've touched on that because I, I was just going to bring it up with the likes of you know when Keegan left, the joking here comes in, and then he's obviously the the surgery that he had on his on his heart and stuff and then you've got Shearer coming in where you think well that'll give everybody a lift you know Newcastle's arguably the greatest ever player who's coming mm-hmm. to take over and again I think we all agree that it was it was great on paper and the idea of it obviously didn't work out but to be relegated you know after 16 years it must have been so difficult for you on the pitch with all that going off the pitch as well it was uh, <clears throat> because Having that many managers, it's it's just never going to work. I mean, a manager needs any manager needs time, and you get a little impact for the first couple of weeks. Uh, it lifts everyone, but you know, every manager comes in, he's got different ideas, he's got a different style, he wants to do this, and you just never get you never get time to to do it. And it was just one after the other, one after the other, and uh, it was just a disaster off the field. There was turmoil because the fans were protesting every week. And then we weren't winning. The fans were turning against the players. It was really difficult. Yeah. Um, so, it just that thing of you know, chemistry, um, having a structure, a settled uh, team manager, and we just never had it that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, gutted for everybody for Newcastle to go down. Like I said, we love Liverpool fans. Love, love Newcastle as a club and. To see them go down, it was it was it was weird. It, like you said, that you've got all those great players, and you see Newcastle United getting relegated. You think, oh, God. yeah, it was. It, it, and the club, the club never seen it coming either, because none of the players had would have a relegation clause in their contract, so it was never even a it was never even a, a fourth. And um, and because of that, we kept up. We kept all our most of our players. I think it was only. Was it Owen left to go to my United? I think I think it was only Owen and one or two others that left yeah. that squad. And you know, that squad was in the championship the next year, and it was almost unfair. Mm-hmm. I mean, we ran away with it. Um, 
you know, we especially at home, I mean, we could be three or four up after half an hour and the game would just be be dead. It was it was it was a frightening team to have in that league and yeah, we ran away with it. But that was a great year because yeah. um just being a Newcastle player and winning every week and especially at home, uh, you know, the love you get from the fans, it, it's unbelievable. I was going to say they deserved something like that, didn't they? Because they've not had that type of run in, in competitions for, for years and years. They've, you know, not celebrated trophies and stuff. So it must have been amazing for the Newcastle fans to have that. To, you know, be It was. A- the buzz The buzz around the city and the buzz in the ground was, was incredible. It was the best time best footballing time of my career in terms of, you know, going out and enjoying and um, getting loved and the atmosphere and the ground, it was, it was, it was incredible, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just going to, before before we move on to the, the next season, Dan, I was just going to ask you about that first season and obviously you came up against a, a really strong Liverpool side at, um, at St. James's Park. I, I was there. Uh, it was, I think it was a fat, it was five one to yeah. Three. I remember it. Yeah, I remember yeah. it. Yeah, it was a mismatch. Just, just, yeah. yeah, just how good was that Liverpool team? Obviously, we were we were pushing for the the Premier League title that year, and obviously it was it felt like a Stephen Gerrard uh, Shea Given game. Shea Given was just like Superman that game. How how good was it? Was that team? Did you think? And how hard was it to play against? <laughs> Liverpool come second that year in the league. It might come second that year, might they? Yeah. Oh, they were. They yeah. They were. They were streets ahead of us. I mean, it was a mismatch. I mean, you couldn't get near anyone. Um, they were just strong all over the pitch. Uh, physically good, uh, technically good, tactically good. They were, they were almost a complete team, yeah. Uh, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a weakness anywhere on the field. I mean, centre-back. Who was playing? Daniel Agger playing centre-back and what a player he was. It was just... That was a really good team and probably one of the best teams I've played against, yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Okay. Anyway, Jay, Jay's just touched on some of some of the some of the characters and the, the players in the dressing room. I've I've got I've got to ask you about Joey Barton because <laughs> what 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 was he like? On a, I know you work with you play with him for I think it was three years. And he gets a lot of grief from Liverpool fans, obviously because he's a boy of blue. And obviously because of that yeah. horrendous French accent when he went on loan to Marseille. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make? What did you make from him in three years? And is, have you got any any funny stories to tell us about in, in the dressing room you get up to? <clears throat> Do you know Joey? Yeah, Joey's a really nice lad for like ninety percent of of the time you spend with him. Um, he just has this switch where uh, you just don't see it coming and you don't understand what's going on. Um, very rarely, I must say. I mean, obviously. On the field, he, you know, he made some mistakes and stuff like that. But he, he was a really good teammate uh, and someone you'd want on your team as well, especially if it wasn't going well. Uh, he'd always put a shift in and and stuff like that. And obviously, he was a good player. Um, obviously, he'd have a moment of madness or or stuff. Like that. I'm trying to think of something that can be on the scenes that no one would know. I mean, for instance, right, um, Joey, would be, everything would be fine. Um, I remember once we were doing set pieces on um, on a Friday. Joey was in the team. I was in the team. Uh, Chris Hutton was the manager, and we were defending set. The starting eleven would be there defending set pieces, and um, Chris Hutton would say to Joey, uh, "Oh, I want you to do the the front the front post face this week, Joey." 
and Joey would go, um, no, I'm not doing that this week. And uh, Chris would go, no, I need you, I need you, I need you to just do this for you know. He goes, no, 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 I, I do the back post uh, space. That's where I do. And Chris would go, no, but this week, um, if you just do the front, and he'd go, no, I'm not doing it. And then like you'd be, and it just like everyone would just be standing there and thinking, what's going on here? And he'd say, Chris would go, no, you're doing the front post space. And Joey would go, no, he's better at doing the front post. I'm better at doing the back post. I don't know why we're changing. And Chris said, we, Chris would say, we're changing because I want you. And he'd just, he'd just take his bib off and say, right, I'm not playing. And just walk in. <laughs> and he'd, he'd be gone before you walk, go back into the change room. And you just, it was just things like that. And you'd be sitting there. And then he'd turn up the next day like nothing had happened. Turn up at the, and it'd be like, it's gone on there. And he'd just say, right, sorry for that yesterday, lads. And just crack on. Yeah. It was just, yeah. just, just things like that. Yeah, I think he's the type of player that he was obviously very, very talented, a good player, solid player. Like you said, you, you want him on, like, on your team rather than against you. Yeah. But I think he just had that red mist in him, didn't he? Where, like, the amount of times he got, he got sent off for Liverpool a couple of years in 2009, I think, just for. Just yeah, I was involved in that. Yeah. yeah he, just, uh, like, why, why, are you, why are you doing it? It just doesn't make sense. But it just he, obviously. He got sent him, off. He got sent off at Anfield for a bad tackle on uh, yeah. Ch- uh, Xabi Alonso. Yeah. I remember it, yeah. Like I said, you'd rather have him on the team than against you. I wouldn't want to receive a tackle off him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a good. Joey was Joey was a decent player, and like I said, he's someone you'd you'd want in the trenches with you. You know, he'd put he he'd stand up and be carried. So definitely. Um, but the, you know, it's few and far between moments like that. And, you know, the majority of the time, Joey's fine and you know lively in the dressing room and 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 funny. So never had a problem with him. Awesome. Cool. So if you don't, if you don't mind, and Danny, we'll, we'll we'll skip on a bit. We don't want to take up too much of your time. We just want yeah. to ask you about. Um, obviously, you, you moved to Indonesia in 2018 to play for Mitra Kukar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, yeah. Before you came back to to back folks to Warsaw, how, how was your experience over there? It must have been incredible. It was uh, basically. Um, I was coming to the end of my contract. At, um, at Blackburn and I've always had an ambition to go and play abroad. I always wanted to go and play abroad. Um, and I was 30 and I thought, and my kids were still young. So I thought, right, now's the, now's the perfect time. Um, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be now. And obviously I'd already started speaking to clubs months before. And, um, you know, at that time, Asia was, um, Asia was a real, uh, Asia were making big moves to try and get, um, you know, their leagues a bit more uh, exposure to the leagues. Um, and, you know, the Indonesian league, I, I didn't know anything about it, but I kept getting approaches from there. And um, I actually had a phone call from uh, Michael Essien, who was playing over there at the time, Gosh, yeah. uh, Carton Cole. And they were just, you know, obviously worked with this, the, the agent in Indonesia and they were telling me how good it was and, and this and that. So, um it just felt like the right time and my family could live in Bali which is obviously lovely and mm-hmm. and the schooling and stuff was fine so it was just a it was just right now or never and, and I decided to do it and obviously you know I'm not going to go to all the way to Asia if it's not financially rewarding that goes without saying but yeah. it was also a lifestyle and uh you know I really wanted to challenge myself to go somewhere out of my comfort zone um you know, a different language, different culture and um, different climate and give it a go. And 
I've got to say, I, there was tough times, and it was you know there was some things that you just you, you can't you would never get your head round. But you know, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, fair play to you, mate. It's a bold decision for anybody to make from from England because you know you always think about how many times do English players go abroad and and do really well. It's, it's like I said, few and far between. So for you to do that, mate, is You've got some balls on you, mate. Fair play to you, you know what I mean? It's good. Yeah, well, uh, you know what? It's really, you know, it, it's, it's funny to say it, 30, but I had to really, you know, I'd, playing in the Premier League and the Championship, you, you have everything, hand, you don't really, everything's done for you, everything's handed to you, it's all piece of cake. You go there and, you know, some of them luxuries are taken away and it's like, well, yeah, like I have to grow up a little bit here. It's <laughs> mad to say it, 30, it's, you know, some of the things, it's, I mean, some of the stories. So the biggest thing, the, the hardest thing about the whole thing was the travelling. I mean, I had no idea, but Indonesia is massive. And yeah. um, I, had, I had an away game once in Papua New Guinea. I don't know how they're in the same league, but you know, I was flying past Australia and it took three flights, 24 hours to get to this away game. It was Jeez. incredible. And I got there and I was shattered. I couldn't believe I was playing. And... Um, <laughs> You know, I turned uh, Papua New Guinea on the eye is beautiful. I mean, you know, yeah. visually it's lovely, but you know, there's no internet there. There's there's no wow. there's no mobile towers or nothing. It's there's no internet. It's it's just you know, real real <laughs> like basic place. It's mad. At least you can say you've played there, mate. Not many people can take that for country off the list. So yeah, and obviously Bali was lovely, but you know, Bali's great. Um, Dan, we've um. On our YouTube channel, we've got a, uh, a show called The Squad Number Show. And what we do is we, we, we visit one to however many and we look at look back at who's worn that squad number for Liverpool. We've only done three shows at the minute because obviously because of lockdown. Um, but we always ask our guests the, the, the squad number that they wore for Liverpool. So obviously you wore 35, if, if we're not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, was there yeah. any significance to that or was just the, that was the number you got given? No, nah, that was, you know weren't in a position to start picking squad numbers at that stage. Um that was the one they give me and Yeah. Um well, have you got preference in general to the number that you were like what would you know? I would always if if I had the choice I would always pick number eight because yeah Gerard was my favourite player and that was his squad number so I always wanted to be number eight and obviously when I went to Newcastle number eight was available so um I, I took that number and it was funny because the next season um when I when I got to Newcastle, Joey was in prison, uh, and uh, when he come out and realised I'd took number eight, he tried to buy it off me, but it just, I just wanted number eight. But it was my it was the number I wanted. Uh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So then we'll just finish with the obviously at the top of the podcast or before we started recording. I asked you about yeah your ultimate five-a-side team that you, mm. with players that you play with? Yeah. I don't know. I don't like... Um, if I'm going to do it, I don't like really... Like, obviously, I played with... I played for Liverpool and I played with some great players, but I don't like... You know, I could just pick... If I'm going to... If I did it off players I'm just going to... Or I played with, I'd, they'd all be Liverpool players because they were the best players. Yeah. Um, I like where you're going with this. I like it, it's different. So I, like it. I, I don't really want to do an old star Liverpool team because, um, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't really play. 
I, unless I played a full season somewhere, I don't think I should I should pick players from that team. So I'm going to not pick any Liverpool players. But obviously, if I was if it was based off players I'd played with, it'd be a full Liverpool team. Um, so uh, the best goalie. The best goalie outside of Liverpool, because Reina would have been the best, um, would probably be Shea Given. Yeah, I was just, I, that was in my head. I thought you'd pick him. Quality. Uh, he was clash, yeah. Um, shot stopper, quick. Uh, not very big, but uh, Shea would be the best goalie outside of Reina. <sighs> Defender. Oh. Gonna go for a centre back, um, and I would have to pick Colaccini. Uh, and Colaccini was really good. Colaccini was really good because he was good on the ball, mm-hmm. um, but he was really great. He was nasty. Yeah, um, yeah, he, he had a nasty streak. And then them South Americans, especially Argentinians, they they got a little streak in them. And, I like Colo because he wasn't he wasn't the tallest, but he was aggressive and uh, he was a really good player and had a great career at Newcastle. Um, centre midfield, I need a I need a good centre midfielder. Uh, I'd pick Nicky Butt. Um, he was, I think he was about 33, 34 when I went to Newcastle, but could yeah. still could still see the class. I mean, you know, intelligence and again aggressive, but you know, a bit of quality on the ball and learnt loads from him. He was a great guy as well. So I'd have I'd have Nicky as a centre midfielder, mm-hmm. and the best the best player I played with in terms of talent and ability. Uh, miles ahead of anyone I'd seen was Ben Arthur, and he'd have to be in the team. That was good. Um, yeah. good choice. I mean, at Newcastle, <clears throat> he was, it, you know, if he was motivated and on it, he could play for any team in the world. And I actually remember a game, um, uh, Liverpool come to Newcastle when Kenny, uh, Kenny Dalglish was in charge, and we battered him. Uh, we batted, I think it was three. It might have been three nil. I think Rayner got sent off as well. Pepe yeah. Rayner got sent off for a headbutt in uh, James Perch. But that day, Ben Arthur just—he oh. was playing against Jose Enrique actually. He was a really good player, and he just—he was unstoppable. And he just ran, ran Liverpool ragged. And he could do that against all the big teams on his day when he was motivated. And he was—he's the best player I've seen. Um, he's so many's that as well, isn't he? Like. Quality on the ball and oh, quality, fast, strong, both feet, dribble, finish. I could see a pat. He was just brilliant, mate. Honestly, he underachieved uh, massively. Yeah. Um, how many's out? I've got goalie, defender. Two. I've got one more. One more, mate. Yeah. yeah. Right, striker. Um. Oh, it's. I tell you who's who's. Who's, who would rival Ben Arthur for the best player I played with would be Nicholas and Elka. Yeah. So I played with Nico at, at Bolton for six months, and uh, he was on a different level. He, 
Do you know it's funny? Sometimes you play with players and the elite players, they just they just run different, they they move different. It's like they float um just so athletically more better than anyone else. And he was in that category. He didn't break sweat and he was better than everyone and um obviously from Bolton he went on and had a really good run at, at Chelsea and won the league and stuff and but really good guy as well. He was, you know, he's got a bit of a reputation for being this moody, sulky Frenchman, but he was a really good guy in the changing room um, and well respected because of obviously how good he was. So he'd be my striker. That brings back bad memories because obviously we should have signed them back in it was 2001. Picked Juf instead, unfortunately. Picked Juf as well, yeah. <laughs> I was playing with Juf. It was funny because I was playing with Juf in that team with, with Anelka as well. You know? What did you make of him then, Juf? Because obviously. Liverpool fans don't really don't really like him for the for his for the way he played for yeah. Liverpool and just some of the off field antics and what he did at Celtic and all stuff like that. What did you make? He, he, listen, he was a good player. He had loads of ability and had a little bit of class, but just didn't really, really. T- you know, it's not someone you'd want on you. I don't know. You know, I would if I was a manager, I wouldn't sign him. I yeah. think it'd take a certain manager to, to sign him and a certain team. Uh, he has to play in a certain team and, and, and stuff like that. But he, you know what? I got on with him well off the pitch. Um, he was funny in the dressing room, but not my cup of tea in terms of, you know, football wasn't, you know, wasn't taken as serious as I think it should have, like, or, you know, so. Yeah. That's the problem with uh, some players like that. But, like, I mean, that, um, that five aside team was just. Yeah, mate, you couldn't have picked a better team. You like I said, they're the players that you have played with. You know, you you, you dipped in and out of the, with the teams at Liverpool, and it would be easy for that. And I'm glad that's the way you went for us. I really am because there's some some great names there. I mean, Nicky Butt at 34 is still he's still a class player. You watch him in the charity match now at Old Trafford, and he's still got it. Oh, he's class. Yeah, he was really good, and he played. Um... I played with him a lot in the uh, the season in the Championship, and he like learned so much from him. And... Um, yeah, real class. Like, and I, I seen him at thirty-four. You know, he's probably you probably think he probably underrated because he was he played in such a great Man United team alongside like Skulls and Keane, and you think, oh, they're they're legends. But I was thinking, bloody hell, how good Nicky must have been when yeah. he was you know twenty-six, twenty-seven, playing in that team. Because um, at thirty-three, thirty-four, he was he was brilliant. Mm. Well, finally, mate, before we let you go, everything okay at Walsall? Happy? Everything all good? I love it. Yeah, I do. Honestly, I mean, um, once I come back from Asia, uh, I wanted to settle somewhere locally where I was from, um, for obvious reasons, family and stuff like that. And Walsall's on my doorstep, spoke to the manager, and it was brilliant. You know, you know I've loved every minute of it this season and um, just hope we can get these games finished and next season push for... Uh, promotion to get back into League One. Yeah, definitely, mate. Well, listen, we want to wish you the the best of luck, and when uh, when all this is over, me and Mick will come down, uh, come down to Walsall, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, get you at the uh, the best got the Banks Stadium, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mate. We'll come, we'll come and watch <laughs> this is all over, mate. But listen, all the best for the for the rest of the season when it kicks off, when it kicks back off, mate. And uh, how about we get you back on once once we're Premier League champions and we can have a chat about that, yeah? All right then, top. Nice, nice one, one fellas. <laughs> Danny, thank you very much, and all the very best to you. See you later.
Podcast Network.